Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The spread among children and from children is not really very big at all. Not like one would have suspected. So let's try to get the kids back. Brock and I think it's a right for people that have bad and kept care. We can proclaim the palmist with the palmist who wrote these following words. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Ah, the palmist. <laughs> so I found myself, got myself into a wormhole here that I was hoping wouldn't happen. <laughs> and it's, it's regarding four palmists from about 55 years ago. The Beatles. I am back listening to, well, just spending time listening to the Beatles. If you if you don't know anything about me, and that means that you have a healthy life, actually, and you have <laughs> important things to do. But um, I was a failed musician in my twenties due to my own lack of discipline, and because um, I'm a jerk. So. But uh, but I loved the Beatles, and as of my my early teen years, I wanted to be John Lennon, and I thought that he was the greatest thing in the world, and I adopted all of his politics and his philosophy. I even because because John Lennon, I was so I was so enamored with John Lennon, and um, that actually I got into because Lennon got in fistfights in school and was a bad egg in school mm-hmm. I decided that I would also be a tough guy oh. and get into fights in school so I started with one kid me and my friend John who you know mm-hmm. we went after this kid we weren't gonna like beat him up I don't know if I like I, I <laughs> would ever have known properly how to throw a punch but just like rustle him up and throw uh-huh. him on the ground and just to, like show him that we were cool that I was an mm-hmm. outraged uh, um you know, um, angst-filled genius like John mm-hmm. Lennon was when he was a teenager. So, so I went after this. We went. Out, we found our mark, a fairly short fellow, and thought this guy. This this is our guy. He's not. He's not. He's not popular. This is junior high. If for those of you are who are counting, it's McCall Junior High School in in Winchester, Massachusetts. In case you want to visit there on the trolley tour, <laughs> we were. Um, we saw this kid and. And we said, okay, I'll go on this side, you go on that side, and I'll get him in a headlock, whatever, and then you can, like, whatever, you know, give him a, a uh, body slam or whatever. We had 
So we went over, we jump, we pounce on this kid. He's out waiting for the bus or something. We pounce on this kid. And this dude fought like a freaking cornered badger. <laughs> he had no, he was like, fight. He was putting all his effort, everything he had, like it was life or death into fending us off to me and John. And we're like, not only am I not getting him in a headlock, but this thing's going sideways quickly. You know, he's Good. now. You deserved it. Yeah, and this kid's like so angry and mad. He doesn't know, by the way, that that we have that we are going by the like uh, the UN rules of engagement. He's not. He's punching away. He has no. He thinks he's about to be killed because we didn't warn him. <laughs> and it events it it changes quickly. From it reminds me of the, the, the what four days war, or whatever the thing when everybody attacked Israel, and then everybody suddenly retreated mm-hmm. in like sixty nine or whatever. We were on the attack at a stalemate and then on the defensive and then in full retreat within 20 seconds. We were running the hell away from this kid. This kid manhandled us. He rebuffed our uh, our attack uh, with pure perseverance and strength. And we were like, oh, my God, retreat, retreat. Me and John ran <laughs> into the woods. You wimps. Oh, no, totally. This jerks. I mean, yes. imagine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This oh. guy, like, totally. That Good. was yes. Good. That put a nail in the the my pugilist career right there. That was it. It was Good. over. I was not a tough guy, but I loved John Lennon. Um, still, even through that, I had to scratch that off my Lennon list. Uh, uh, I'm sorry. We've got a. Unshockingly, there is a child who has penetrated the uh, room, who has permeated. The enclosure and his uh, messed with um, messed with equipment, which is fine because technically they are our children and we are their parents. So there's a fine line. Hey, Anson, you leaving? Yeah. Okay, I'll see you in a bit. Okay. Um, but anyway, so I love John Lennon, and back then to to love the Beatles in 1986 or whatever what time was uh, certainly in '86. Uh, you know that was not a cool thing. That was not a cool thing to be doing. I mean, you could love Motley Crue or Rat or even Duran Duran, depending on your taste. But you weren't <laughs> loving the Beatles. That was your parents' thing. Exactly. So I had to, when I read these biographies of the Beatles and Lennon, et cetera, I'd wrap all my books in paper. You know, like you would your math. <laughs> I would, because there's no way. If somebody saw me, you would get endless ridicule. Mm-hmm. And there was, it was not considered something that was okay. But um, I'm just thinking about... Back then, I went to uh, there was ZLX, which in Boston here is a big classic uh, station, still around, thankfully. Of course, now classic rock stations play Bon Jovi, which is not ideal. Um, <laughs> but I had uh, I went to this convention. My dad dropped me off at it down in at the Cambridge uh, Hyatt in Cambridge, and it was the greatest thing in the world to see to go to this convention with the fellow Beatles people, all like all paunchy like t- dudes in their forties or older. Sing songs, uh, Beatles songs, like in their little booths, you know. It reminds me of the mm-hmm. Simpsons, like booth guy. They all knew much more about the Beatles than you could ever. Man, they 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 trade banter from booth to booth. You know, they'd sell stuff, bootleg copies, bootleg photos, and copies of music and this mm-hmm. and that. And back then, there was no way to get anything. This convent, this convention was the internet. So if you wanted to see the Beatles in Shea Stadium or Candlestick Park or wherever it was, you'd have to go to one of these places and. Pay money for a video cassette if they had. A, but I remember one guy singing, "Don't break my arm," 
And he was just so cool, you know. He was in mm-hmm. the, the Beatles convention set, probably gone to Beatle Magic, you know, uh, for 10 years in a row and knew, like, how to get the best placement for his six-foot table and how to uh, deal with the vendors and, you know, how to game. He was a cool guy at the convention. Yeah. I was just thrilled, thrilled to be there, to be there to see all this stuff and just all Beatles stuff everywhere and all these pictures or whatever. And I bought whatever I could. I couldn't really afford much music. I bought some music, which was like interviews from Perth, Australia, and different interviews, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then if that, Alice, thank you, by the way, for the reassuring yeses and mm-hmms. I've lost audio. Oh, have you? What do you want me to do? Should I keep going? I'm going to keep going. No, keep going, and then I'll just we'll just put it into the YouTube. Okay, video we'll just add some. Okay, we lost audio. I, I think it's about time to make some decisions. Actually. So if you're, we it's time to buy a new cable. I think is the issue. Um, oh, I had it for a second. Is it coming back? <laughs> the is the audio coming back? It doesn't really matter, you know. Okay, so well we'll do it. And hopefully we'll the people add watching in the audio here it is again. Oh, okay. hold on, Alice. Maybe the people watching YouTube will assume it's their machines that are screwing up, and mm-hmm. will try to fix it. If you just dropped audio, if you're watching YouTube, right, and your audio dropped, that was us. I'll fill the audio. Don't worry. I'll fill Alice the audio fill in. <laughs> I'll put it in from the. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not too worried. It's fine. Um, so anyway, <sighs> so to love John Lennon was a, was a, was a, it was harder to do in at least Massachusetts in the, in the mid '80s. Eventually, you know, you could get a if you got a few, a few bucks together for having a job, you could go to a couple of record places and get rare copies um, of. Of uh, like later Lennon singles or mm-hmm. rare like some places had the Beatles Butcher album cover. Do you know what that is? No. The Beatles. Uh, you seem thrilled. The Beatles. <laughs> the Beatles. Uh, yesterday and today, the the album that yesterday is on. Their first cover had pictures of pieces of dolls on them and butcher meat on them. Huh. Yes, which was considered oddly it's very edgy, oddly gross. And so that was that was uh, discontinued. They put a paper bag over it or something. Oh. Uh, so the, it doesn't matter. So anyway, anyway. So my point is this: the point is this is that. So now uh, Alice and I are writing a Christmas song, and so I've been now playing the guitar, and I've just uh, you know uh, almost every chord or good chord um, progression, anything I've I know how to play in the guitar is essentially something I've ripped off from the Beatles. And so it's got me in thinking about the Beatles more, and just how times have changed. And so today, like we're we're, we're we've been trying to get the equipment to work. We've had some uh, challenges. Just listening to this, just YouTube, your blues backing track. Oh no, no, this is this right here is the Beatles, uh, t- in the in the studio talking about uh, on YouTube. Just uh, they're working through a song. Kept pointing up there. Why did you keep pointing up there every time? I was doing it as a joke because every time we came to there, you pointed it out. Well, you know, that was the first time that I went wrong when you started doing that. And ever since then, we've had this trouble. Do you want to fight? No. That's John and Paul screwing around in the studio. Talking about at some point when John John sings there, Paul is is mimicking John, (laughs) who was doing this. Uh, uh, I think it's for no one, the song that they were doing. Uh, But... I mean, this stuff now is available everywhere on YouTube. What you would have had to do when I was 13 years old to ever hear this, first of all, it wasn't even out there, but mm-hmm. you would have to find a bootleg of a bootleg of a bootleg of a bootleg. You would have to know somebody. It would be incredible to ever see this stuff, mm-hmm. to watch it and hear it and get it, and now it's everywhere. It's just, you can hear all of it that's unlocked. 
The Beatles are all yours. Anytime you want, you can conjure up <laughs> the song. Back then, I didn't have the White Album. <coughs> and if I didn't have the, and if I wanted to hear songs from the White Album, I was SOL. There was no White Album to just conjure up. <laughs> I could call the classic rock station and say, could you play this? Depending on what song it was, maybe they would. But that was it. Mm-hmm. Did they the- ever have Beatles weekends? All these oh, yeah. three used to have like a Beatles. Everybody weekend. had Beatles weekends, yes. And they could just play requested Beatles songs all weekend. Right, yeah, yeah. Everybody had that. And as a matter of fact, even the AM talk stations, WBZ back then, huh. would play music on the weekends in Beatles songs. Yeah, mm. it, was, it was a weird. It was a different time. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what the <laughs> point of this is. Is that I've just gotten on, on this on this track of of doing this stuff, and um, it's just uh, it's a different world. And I'm sure you you know if you. Listening right now, you've been to, to just to see the way things have changed so much. You know, I get these I get these prompts at my phone every five minutes, telling me a kid is trying to buy a new app for ninety nine cents. <laughs> you know, and all that app does is give them everything they want right then and now. It's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible, and because we're parents, and if you're watching, listening, we're under siege constantly. I understand most of it is you know, garden variety parenting, but we're under siege constantly. We just say yes to the app, and they get it. And I don't know <laughs> what they do. It could be the nuclear codes, or it could be. I know what they do. So I don't know what to do. I yeah. Well, I, I mean, like I made it very clear. Even, you can't even get the request on your phone if I enter multiple passwords to order the app. So it has to go through me before you even get the notification. So all of that stuff, by the way, when the Beatles broke in and uh, were huge, they were on the Big Sixty Eight in Boston, the mm-hmm. WRKO. The Big 68, it was called. 680 AM. And that's where you go to hear the Beatles and all your rock and roll. And the guy who set up the Big 68, mm-hmm. um, uh, who set up all of the engineering stuff, all the stuff you know, to get the station online, uh-huh. was George Capalbo's father, Alice. Did uh-huh. you know that? So if you're watching this right now, you're uh, wondering why you wasted this much time. But... <laughs> But you want to know, we've had George Capalbo on, too. George is a friend of mine. George is a big uh, science geek, I think it's fair to say, in a good way. And he's an engineer, a studio radio engineer. He runs a company, or he's in a company called Backbone, uh, which does all sorts of um, remote broadcasting stuff. It's great. If you want to start a podcast or a radio show, whatever, etc. George and I also have a podcast together called The Point of Things. And George and I talked, uh, and Alice talked today we, ta- we brought George on because um, there's something, if you didn't know, in the desert of Utah. <laughs> in the, so happy in the place right called now. Moab. You can see his face. There's a, something called the monolith. This mysterious object has shown up was in the desert. Was something in the well, Okay. Was something. It's was gone. never anything, of it's course. Gone. But anyway, so my wife is a geek, and so, <laughs> so is George. And so Alice is, this object just showed up. And people started talking about it. Now it's gone. So, so this is very important and interesting to people. And so, <laughs> so Alice and George, to me and George, and I talked about the monolith. Folk. Maybe you'll find this interesting. I do like the idea of things popping up, pranksters <laughs> doing things, or drunk, really drunk people doing things. I know at one time there's a big, there's a sculpture at MIT mm-hmm. um, of the of a the globe. It's at uh, at um, it's not one Kendall Square, but it's at Kendall Square at MIT. 
it's a sculpture of the globe. It's near the Marriott in the, in the old MIT bookshop, if that's still there. And after a night of cocktails in 1994, we tried to steal it by tying something to the back of the car onto it and driving away with it. Mm-hmm. And it was like a brass statue. So that would have been something that was gone. Instead, uh, that didn't work. Not not mm-hmm. shockingly. And um, instead, we took a newspaper box. <laughs> and, <that's, Ooh. laughs> and I used that as my dresser for a lot of the 90s. I was like, that's the kind of guy I was. So there you go. I was quality. If Is you listen the to the same time period you were sleeping on your friend's laundry pile? That's exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. I was quality, just in case. And if you listen to our watch, our last podcast, which has a lot of watches, by the way, with Caroline and Jane, even Caroline, who said the bar is low for herself for dating, I don't think that she was, uh, I don't think that would have done it. She would have said, just give me something to work with other than you drunkenly driving uh, and trying to steal a statue for no reason at all. Well, now taking down statues is right. totally kosher. You could have well, just no, said it was a But the problem is I was also a young conservative. I was 20 years mm-hmm. old, a conservative in Massachusetts and an a-hole. So you don't think that saying it was an anti-globalist statement about I wouldn't even know what that meant. All I know is that it was cool and I wanted it in my room. And so we tried to get it. But it didn't matter. But uh, anyway, so we talked to George today about the monolith, Alice's own version of the statue. And um, and uh, it's interesting stuff, actually. And the conversation, uh, conversation moved from simply the monolith to a couple of other things. But his name is George Capalbo. He's on Twitter as what, Alice? Do you remember? At G Capalbo. At G Capalbo. Check him out. Anyway, we just got off the phone with the, the phone. We just got off the phone. God, I'm young. Uh, we uh, just talked to him a minute ago, and it was a good time. Interesting stuff. This is kind of a – by the way, we've got some politics coming up that we'll talk about afterwards. But the monolith is very important, I feel, as I'm sure you agree. Alice loves a monolith. So we'll hit that <laughs> first, then after that um, – We'll hit a little bit of politics, and then we'll uh, let you get on with your Sunday or Monday. George, it's been way too long. How are you? How are you weathering through this post? Uh, we're, we're, we're at the tail end of the pandemic. The election is over. We're on the other side, George. I'm weathering it. I've been very busy. My my company's been very busy because of all this stuff going on with lots of people wanting to broadcast remotely. So I've just been wall to wall. And I know you have, too. So it's not like, like, for those of you listening at home, it's not like we hate each other. We haven't got a lot. We're just too busy. But we're back. We're back and we're strong Correct. and we're back. Now we're on, now we're on two podcasts, We're George. simulcast. We're on the point of things. Simulcasting, exactly. And, uh, and on Tom Shaddock's Burn Barrel podcast. A fabulous um, production. I'm going to text you something, George. Can you? And by the way, if you're if you're listening to on point of things dot this, yes, I can. Question mark. Send. I will answer it in text, please, George. I don't want people to know we were talking about it. All right. I'm just kidding. I'm just saying uh, (laughs) no. No, but no. Is that all right? No, I'll send to you. (laughs) 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 But if you're listening live, you'd hear it live. So good. Well, I know, George. Excellent. So, hey, yes. you, know, you should tell folks, uh, tell people, tell the Tom um, Shattuck Burn Barrel audience exactly how to find us on this podcast. Right. This podcast, which predates Burn Barrel, uh, is a different, it's a different non, uh, it's basically non-controversial other than we're both speaking. And uh, it's on thepointofthings.com. And you can also find it 
on iTunes podcasts, and you can also find it on Google Podcasts. And is it on Stitcher too? I think you send it everywhere. It is on Stitcher, exa- Stitcher exactly. Right. And um, and can people listen live? Where is that? Hey, you can listen can go live. and hit. Right. It just starts playing, but there's a play button if you need to hit it, and it's on. Correct. Very cool. All right, George. Um, I I can't believe it's almost a year ago since. <laughs> Since uh, we weren't able to make your New Year's party, but that would have been the a great last hurrah before the world ended. Because we're not but doing right it this now, year. today, George. Either. <laughs> right. I, I believe we've got, um, there's a big issue that's uh, afoot, George. Yes. And this is something my wife has been extremely, extremely interested in, in vocal about, um, which of course is um, f- borderline torturous for me. <laughs> obviously, I... Uh, I I am not as into it, but I'm going to see if I can get myself into it. And this has to do with... Go ahead. Keep going. Are there any music for this? Okay. This has to do with a mysterious object, if you don't know, listening right now, that's been found in the Mojave Desert. Is that right, Alice? It's in Utah. No, it's It's in Utah. Utah. Moab, Utah. Desert? Yeah. Moab, Utah. They found it while counting sheep. Correct. Uh, And what is sheep... Does sheep bleat? George, did you know that sheep bleat? (laughs) They do. I don't know if they spell it out, but they That's do. True. They, I don't. I don't have a sheep sound. I could find that. But um, it's okay. I hear the vacuum cleaner. That's good enough. <laughs> so, all right, enough. Of that. So, uh, all right, George, all right. Is, is this an obelisk? We're told is that uh, what it a is? monolith? A monolith. a monolith. Okay, so I saw some. I have some audio of, of the descri- okay, description of this. I have an audio of the description of this. Are you ready? All right. Ready? Here we go. When we first found it, we thought it might be an upcrop of magnetic rock. All the geological evidence was against it. We thought it might be the upper part of some buried structure, so we excavated out on all sides, but unfortunately, we didn't find anything else. And what's more, the evidence seems pretty conclusive that it seems to have been deliberately buried. Deliberately buried. Deliberately buried. <laughs> Those are the those are the Bureau of Land. No, they weren't the Bureau of Land Management pilots who had accidentally discovered this from the air, this shiny object. No, that was actually from the source that everyone's referring to, 2001: A Space Odyssey, where they find this black monolith, which is exactly the proportions one by four mm-hmm. by nine, and it's been buried for millions of years. And they've uncovered it, and they go to see it. The sun rises. The sun hits it, and it immediately emits this huge, loud radio signal that deafens everyone, and it, which is directed directional straight to Jupiter. And then there's the rest of the movie. So, <laughs> of course, everyone connects this monolith in Utah, which is in this beautiful br- brown rock canyon. Have you ever been to Utah? Utah is a beautiful state. I I was stuck there once I for a weekend. Oh, and it's <laughs> so it's mountains and forests and herds of deer. And fresh air, and then desert and canyons, and it's just an amazing place and a lot of empty space. So there's a lot of room to do weird stuff. So uh, these guys are flying over, and this thing is made of reflective but this area aluminum. Is pretty remote, is it not? Well, so actually, you guys, let's on. On. actually, it turns out it doesn't. I want you guys to tell people what, tell people what we're talking about okay. here, exactly, monolith. George. So a mysterious monolith on? has been found near southern Utah, in southern Utah, and, and near Moab. Well, and Bureau of Land Management says it's so far away from anything, we don't really want anyone to go, so we're not going to tell people where it is. But, of course, the Internet figured it out. Of course, Reddit immediately. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the monolith. And um, people have been there. And, yeah, and now it's gone. It disappeared. 
So I have some I have some audio. This is a guy named David Serber who went there. Okay, so the, the 2001 model, this is one by four by nine. This is 12 feet tall and it's a triangle and it's made out of, looks like stainless steel. Right. And it's, but it's got rivets. So it's clearly, I mean, there are, there are marks in the ground. Actually, well, here, here's the audio from this guy, David Serber, that looks it over. You ready? Here we go. Oh. All right, y'all wanted the magnet test. So I didn't bring a strong enough one, but not sticking. So he's standing in okay, front of the model. Those are the attempts. And then, uh, let's see. So is it solid? Not solid. Sounds a little bit like a cardboard box. And then, rivets and handprints from probably from diesel days and these are like All these right. rivets like these pop rivets you know that you put in things so it looks pretty mm-hmm. very man-made so all the panels are separate and then riveted hollow riveted not magnetic hey that's it so and there's also like there's marks in the ground where they they cut it they cut into the stone and buried this thing so it was deliberately buried but but not by aliens and now it's gone. So, right. and apparently it was so illegal. This is on government land. Right. This is government land, Bureau of Land Management, mm-hmm. government, federal property, federal land. Correct. Where it's not illegal to be on usually, so you're allowed to be on this. But right. you're not allowed to build art installations that you need a concrete cutter to cut into the stone to stick them in there. Correct. Generally. Is this, was this able to be traversed by with a, ve- with a vehicle or is this out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere? So it turns out, this same dude, Don Serber, says, oh, this isn't anywhere remote. It's like about about 400 yards from a campsite where lots of people go. And here's how to get to it. And here's what I did. Huh. So you can you could drive within, you know, maybe a 10 minute, 15 minute walk to get to it. But you had to have like an you couldn't just go in your car. You had to have an off road vehicle. So yeah. it's still remote. Now, lots of people how are heavy there. would the metal be to build the thing? Well, how so heavy they, would the metal be to build the thing? Like, so if you were going to go, heavy. if you were going to build this, George, like how hard would it be like yeah. to bring all this stuff? With, I mean, I'm with you. I agree. It's man made. But I'm like wondering how how much of a commitment this was for whoever did it, you know? It seems like it's 12 foot sheets of, of stainless steel and a rivet gun and maybe some angles, you know, to, uh, to rivet to it. And then, a, and they brought a saw. So you could see someone coming out in their Jeep with all this stuff in it and then building it on the site and then burying it and thinking it's pretty cool. Have a beer, whatever they did, you know, whatever weird stuff happened and, uh, off they went, they left it. And so there's some question how long it's been there. So some people think it's been there for four years, which is possible. It's stainless steel and it really doesn't, it, it rains so there, but not a lot. My understanding is that, my understanding is people were looking at Google Maps and they, like the past, the history of the images and were dating it between like 2015, 2016. Correct. That that was like the timestamps of the ones before it was there and then when you could see it on the Google Maps right. um, pictures. But there's also, um, some people were speculating that it's some kind of tribute to this artist who built things that kind of look similar to that, George John McCormick. Yes, Have correct. Have you been seeing that I, I went and I Googled some of the stuff as well so, and which, uh, which he was kind of shiny. by the time yeah, he so, was... So I don't think he did right, it. He has, um, a, he has he an alibi. by the time this was built, but... <laughs> But somebody could have done it who was into his stuff, yeah. uh, I suppose. But because yeah. um, his son did say that, you know, he had said he left remote bits of artwork places. But, so maybe, um, maybe it was. Like it's It'd be pretty cool if it had been else. there for 50 years and no one noticed it up until now. So, you know, 
I've built a monolith, so I know what it takes to do to do in 2001. So back in the day, my college friends and I would get together a couple times a year, usually at New Year's Eve party, which we still do. Of course, not doing it this year, but that's another story for another day. But we'd meet in uh, Labor Day weekend. We'd go down to Maryland. Where, well, the, the guy who started this thing, his, his name is Bill, and he used to have Bill's party back in the college days. So in 2001, we just looked at each other and said, let's go build a monolith. So we went to Home Depot and we bought sheets of MDF plywood and paint, like 100 cans of spray paint, and we built a monolith. It didn't have a top, but it was one by four by nine, and we just stuck it in his front yard. And then it was kind of there for a long time. Then eventually it got cut up, and I think I have a couple pieces of it. Of course, we cut it into one by four by nine pieces. So we have a, a monolith, but it was really oh, kind of a fun it's like thing. It's like a fractal monolith. It's like a fractal monolith. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so that was pretty cool <laughs> and it was a fun project. And, you know, of course we're all uh, tech nerds, so it was uh, perfect for us. And um, it was 2001. And you know what? That was, that was like maybe a couple weeks before 9-11. So that felt like the end of the innocence to me. That was, you know, everything got serious after that. That was sort of the last stupid thing we did in the nineties, the nineties uh, tech boom kind of thing. So it was a good thing to do. But I guess there were other monoliths that popped up in 2001. I think there was one in Seattle, which is the correct proportions. Hmm. But of course, this was not meant to be a 2001 monolith. That's what people connected to because it gave you that same right. kind of eerie feeling. But this is a triangle and it's stainless steel and it's clearly got rivet holes. And there's no, you know, like, how you know, there's not going to be a cottage industry of people saying it's impossible for them to bend the metal like that. You know, this couldn't happen naturally on Earth. These aren't right. materials. They're, it's, it's stainless steel and rivets. And now it's gone. So, so I mean, so what happened? Somebody stole it, right? Someone just said, well, let's just take this thing. Either someone stole it or whoever it was came back for it, I suppose. Maybe so we don't want them Before to. Before they could it be seems, identified. Crap, now we're in trouble, get Tom. Let's get out to it. Utah yeah. and get this thing now yeah. before it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> but it's gone. Right. It seems like a total government thing to do um, Well, you know, to take it down. Yeah, but they didn't. Well, they they said they, they didn't. didn't, though. The government says they didn't. And they actually I mean, said. We know they always yeah, do. Exactly. Right. They actually said, well, it's illegal, but it's not but, our job to prosecute that. Here's the quote. It says, we, we don't investigate crimes involving private property, which is what this is. We're, that's handled by the local sheriff's office. So they just sort of said, if the sheriff wants to go do something about it, we don't care. Right. Go for it. So I think it's but, the right thing. Um. I was I was surprised that somebody could get away with it now that I would assume now that they know where it is. It's like a tourist attraction. People would be going to look at it. And oh, they were. Like you say, okay, so it's near this campsite. And like, what, no one was watching it. No one saw who took it away. I don't understand how somebody could steal it. Now, I would have put the thing under guard, first of all. It's very dark in the desert at night. find out what's going on, right? In that remote suppose, desert, it's really dark. Geez. There are no lights anywhere if you're driving down a long road you just see this light coming in the distance you go what is that is that's like some kind of alien or something then it's a car but it's so far away that its headlights meld into one and it shimmers in the in the uh, the heat coming off the road so would you how would you get it out because it's buried the bottom of it's buried right so they would have to like would could you just lift it out the thing and throw I it in guess. the back of your pickup truck? I mean, truck maybe or, I have no idea how heavy it was, but if it's sheets of or I mean, cut probably, it up or yeah, maybe they cut it up or they maybe they just got a crowbar and they just kind of wedged it until it came loose because I don't know that it was uh, how it, hmm. no one really knew how deep it was. Although I suppose there's a hole in the ground there now, you could probably look and see how deep it yeah. was. Right, so. But I mean, this is the first yeah. kind of cool, but I'm stupid hungry for information. story. This is the I know you are. stuff well, I'm like wondering. Me. Well, you know, but unfortunately, none of these. Go ahead. 
Well, I mean, I don't think this can. I don't think this can compete with the crop circles, right? I mean, those were magnificent. Yeah, those were those were cool. And those are the ones. Right, that's what I was kind of alluding to. That you know, no one could actually do that. The way those are bent, we looked at it under a microscope. No, it turns out it's. I think it's all. It's still all people. It's still artists. You know, I mean, so there's a lot of explanations for things, but aliens are probably down in the list when there's seven billion people on the Earth that have nothing else to do and they look cool. Can come up with things to do. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's probably people, but I'm just fascinated with how you would put something there. And then like, I don't know if I went to the trouble to like build a metal tower in the desert, I'd be like taking friends there every other weekend to show them my cool metal monolith. You know, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't just leave it there for six years and just wait, bide my time until someone found it. But maybe it had some weird purpose I mean, and they, they'd only be... do it in the middle of the night when no one was there and they were there all the right, time. Right, they visit it once a year and perform yeah. some crazy ritual. Right, exactly. And so it was all <laughs> smudged. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> well, you know what another thing... You know what Don't scare me, You know what could be? How about this? All right, go ahead. What if the entire thing, the object itself... And society's response to it, including the media's response to it, et cetera, is all an experiment. Just to see, one, how people interact with it when they see it, what their behaviors are. Do they report it? Do they document it? Do they go right to social media? What do they do? Do they keep on coming back? And then what does society do when they hear about it? Because, I mean... So when the, aliens aliens back, <laughs> when the real aliens show up, when the real aliens show up, I don't uh, need it to be back. I'm just curious. I mean, what, we could go build one. Happened. I know that we can go to Home Depot. Scoop. Let's go to Home Depot and get some MDF plywood. We'll spray paint it silver. We'll put it in your yard. It's a it's a one day project. It's an easy build. <laughs> but what you've done now yeah. is you've given this piece of land a, an identity, and you've made it more interesting. So. For instance, in um, and I'm sure every lake's got one now, but up in Lake, lake um, uh, Champlain, you know, there's supposedly a lake monster that some people have seen. Right. Champy, he's called now. Correct. And so it, it's there's Champy merchandise, and <laughs> it's, it allows fo- it allows for content for all the little harbor tours of Champy, or not harbor tours, you know, boat tours, the, and the, the, the shuttle that goes from New York to Vermont, et cetera. And these kind of things color stuff that's, all, that's otherwise boring. Like even in Fenway Park, there's that seat in right field that was where Ted Williams' last home run, the red seat uh, hit, which the which is absolute horse bleep as far as I'm concerned. And supposedly it was, it was a lot a longer than that. Head. <laughs> it was a lot yeah, longer than that seat. Right? Hit him. I don't know if it was longer than that seat, um, but I just know that it's too cute to be true. And that it hit a Yankees fan in the head the last home run. And you know, he did get a home run, but, you know, they yeah. they served it up. They teed up the pitch to him. But still, it's like he, a, a lot of these things, there's so much stuff and some interesting things in every place that are usually interactive. And so it leaves an imprint on you. Like, for instance, in in Congress, George, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've been there to the Hall of Statues. Where in one yes. part of the room you can say something and you can hear, you can whisper. That's it's the same thing at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. There's an area where you can stand in one half of the one part of the dome on the inside mm-hmm. and be a football field away and whisper, and the person can hear it. Hmm. And it allows it, it allows for you to personalize, you know, to interact in a way that you're part of it now. So and it brings it like a, an extra layer of of the sensation that to it. Yeah. Right, yeah, it makes it gives it some meaning. This 
spot that doesn't really have any meaning on its own. Right. And especially if you're lucky enough to not be able to explain it. If it's a monolith (laughs) or, you know, you can, acoustics can tell you how the other stuff works, but it probably couldn't always. Um, I mean, they had a pretty good understanding of acoustics for a long time. I, you know. That's why they built things in those shapes, you know. Or they accidentally discovered that's heard? what happened. I'm not going to ask Tom. I'm not going to ask Tom if well, he's heard Tom. this, but because he has not, he's not heard this. But George, have you ever heard the um, the they've done um sort of simulations of what it would have sounded like with choirs singing in the Hagia Sophia? No. And it's just it's just incredible. You can look it up. And they, you know what? They did. Alice, they like dealing- tested. The you're sound you're, qualities of the cathedral of that huge crazy dome. He is googling right? Hagia Sophia. Like, <laughs> know what that is. No, I do know with what it the, is. Um, with the with like the songs they would have sung then in the Hagia Sophia, the hymns in ah. Greek, you know, and then they sort of run them through a filter of what the sound qualities that they measure in the cathedral, like what that would do to the choir singing. And it's just incredible. It's so crazy. So, I mean, and that's, that's an old building. So well, they had some acoustics back then. Acoustics and spaces are really an art and science. I mean, there, when there's a new concert hall built, there's people that come in literally to tune it, to make it sound good. So, and back in the day, they didn't huh. have computers and they didn't have any kind of analysis. They just kind of listened to it and uh, it, it got a sound. Right. I mean, I've done the so opposite George, of that in my uh, film room to, to deaden the sound. I've built a sound deadening panel so that if you're sitting in the seating area, it's absolutely as close to perfect as I can get it, which isn't that close, but it's it's very good. Otherwise, it's like an echo chamber in there and everything sounds... You want, you want the dialogue and the sounds to be crisp and not be echoed because that distorts them. Yes, go ahead, Thomas. Right. Yeah, they do that in restaurants too and other workspaces so yep. that it's not the constant din happening. Mm-hmm. So, George, have you ever had... Have you ever witnessed something unexplainable that I have that was not necessarily paranormal but was maybe by definition was paranormal actually why well, I've told my UFO story okay. here before which is just kind of a 15 second thing and it was just like what was that that's really strange and of course my mind went to all the normal explanations for it oh that must be a weather balloon why is it moving so fast well there's no motors on it it's not a, it's got to be a drone there's no motors not making any noise and now it's gone and it was pretty large and what was that? And it just sort of just I just kind of started thinking about it. And of course, I started looking into all this UFO stuff and all these people are all nuts. Correct. They're just, you know, right. no offense. <laughs> to with a, it. <laughs> they yeah. just think it always goes to Bigfoot. And then there's but wait, wait a minute. What's that? Right. Where did that come from? So who knows? Although there's all this stuff that came out last year. Right. The Navy. Um, these fighter right, pilots saying right. and they've they got released all this stuff. The Pentagon said, yeah, we don't know what this is. And we're going to investigate it further. So that's, uh, you know, that kind of blew me away, which made me think yeah. of my experience. And uh, but that's the only strange thing I've seen. Yeah, but I mean, there's definitely there are things out there that we don't know what they are, but whether or not they're what uh, people on the Internet think they are is right. quite another question. You know, that's that's a. I, I had a leap to I make, a, you know, I just because we don't know what something is. Years ago, I had a friend who was involved in, do you remember from the mid late seventies, there are photos of the Loch Ness monster taken underwater by MIT guys. Mm-hmm. I knew one yeah, of them. I had he's, a friend, we got really into cryptozoology for yeah. a while and like read all those things, like different photos people had taken of things supposedly. And I mean, a lot of them are fake, but 
Yeah. You know, so this it is, is a, interesting. Apparently, this was like, there's this guy who was a patent attorney at MIT guy. And it's like, kind of like me and my college friends went and built a monolith. They said, he said, you know, I went to, I went to Loch Ness on vacation to Scotland. I saw something weird. I want to go figure out there's something in there. So they got Doc Edgerton to loan them side scan sonar. The guy I knew, Charlie Wyckoff, is a film emulsion guy. He built the film, designed the film to, to film the first atomic bomb tests, which, you know, you couldn't go there and set the exposure. Hmm. So it was a billion layers of emulsion and they were different ISO speeds so that would you'd get a perfectly exposed thing no matter what. He did the film for the under contract hmm. for NASA for the moon landing that's very thin. So they could do 250 shots in one Hasselblad hmm. thing. So he's a cool dude. So he rigged up a camera. With 16 millimeter film, they would take a frame a second. They had, they had lights, that strobe lights that would go off, again, Doc Edgerton, and the side scan sonar, and they just left it hung under a boat. And the first day, two or three large objects approached it. He claims this is all true. They took photos, and there's one of like a fin, there's one of like a body in the distance, but it, it was all sort of debunked. They sent it, supposedly had friends at JPL that went and processed it, and they said, well, they maybe have processed it too much. They're looking for something that's not there. And so, but, but he claimed it was real, but it was a lot of fun. He said, no, it's a great way to spend the summer, right? So it's a good summer vacation. It's nice and cool up yeah. in Scotland. It's interesting. And some fun. Nerd, what nerds do on I don't vacation. Know, I've heard some people say they think Nessie was there. I've had friends tell me that they think Nessie was there, but is, has now died and isn't Our there Our kids anymore. know the name of that dinosaur. What's it called? Nessie? Yeah. Plesiosaur. Nessie's not a dinosaur. No. Is that what it is? Yeah, please use her. Well, Alice, had, did we did uh, we share the same dream, the same experience with a ghost at Melrose together? Yes. Ooh. We both were awake for that. Yeah. Oh. Really? Well, tell yes. that story. The well, ghost. Oh, we, we, so we were lying in bed, yeah, and mm -hmm. it was incredible, actually, George. And we heard footsteps. Yeah, we heard footsteps. We heard, well, actually, we multiple times heard footsteps, well, like hold when on, we hold were on, downstairs. Hold on. Right. We we um we were lying in bed one night, and we heard something coming up to us, pro approaching from the. Was it sounded like a chain? Sounded yeah. like it might have been carrying a chain or something, walking from the upstairs down the hall. Essentially That's never to good. Us. And it was crazy. No, and it was really this whole thing was we were. It was really the the, the thing that makes it so odd. It was it was, was kind of a ripoff of all. The top cliche <laughs> uh, file uh, experiences right. you'd, you'd get. Because then suddenly we heard something sound like a squirrel in the roof and then more. And then, then thousands of these things running under, running all over the place. Mm -hmm. And then this thing with the chain was like had stopped at one point. And then this is the, the stunner. George, the, 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 of course, the it's going to happen. Horror movie cliche. Yes. Is that kids, the sound of kids laughing and singing out in the yard, dancing around a tree. Oh. And I'll sing and dancing. And this is. Yeah. And and this is the thing was, it was, it, that's what I get for most of it. Did, did it speak to us, Alice? No, I didn't get, we, I don't think we heard so, any But anyway, the thing was, that. George, is that it, I don't know that we were petrified, but it was definitely. But we were both like, curious. did you just hear that? Yeah. 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 All of our senses were, in, yeah. were engaged. So here's the next thing. And we heard, like I told you, we heard, you could tell, you could hear the, when those footsteps were coming, you could feel the, the like the reverberation of the wood being depressed, so it was something with heft, right? You know, Ooh. which made it more scary, obviously, um, just real. So, so and we, we we didn't we weren't drunk, we weren't on acid. We, <laughs> we, it was just a, just a night, and you know we, you know we have at that point we just had one kid, I think, and so mm -hmm. you know you're t you're busy, you're tired, and you like it, you can't let it de derail your day. But so the next it was just. 
it was when something like that actually does happen, probably like your UFO, it's not like, oh my God, guys, guess what? I think we told our neighbor or they told asked us if we had heard stuff and, mm-hmm. and we, we and we said yeah as a matter of fact yeah something last night so but anyway the thing that was crazy was me Alice and I then the next day my mother and brother came over and we were sitting right. downstairs in the kitchen or talking in the kitchen and we said we told them the story and my mother and brother my mother was all intrigued because she she likes that kind of stuff. My brother's like, whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever. And we said, yeah, there were the sounds. This thing was walking around. You could hear it. And, George, just as we were telling the story, the footsteps happened above us. Oh! And my brother's not a... Yeah, and it was walking again. And my brother's not a believer in this stuff. And I'm not a believer in this stuff. I don't even believe other people who mention this thing. <laughs> thing and it happened. And my mother was, like, kind of spiritual. And she was, like, all into it and, like, raced upstairs or something. But it was incredible, like, that it happened those two times. And it never happened again. So, but, um, so the that's, people, the, that's the only thing. That, the people that are into this say, well, what happened in your house? Did you go look at the history? How old is your was your house in Melrose? So we did find out we did. It was about 100 years old, but we okay. did find out subsequently that there had been a dance studio in the yard. There oh. was a separate building like we found yes. stuff when we put our fence in that there was it, the foundations of another yes. building there. And then it had been multiple things. It had been like a sort of bar and it had been a clubhouse thing right. and, but it had at one point been a dance studio. had been a dance studio and a woman who came by said she remembered there being two weeping willows there was one we were there you remember you've seen it george actually yeah i have um and there were two weeping willows, and she said that kids used to do figure eights while dancing and singing around the weeping willows that's which is kind of like you know, what we were hearing that's pretty it was, spooky. It was, it is remarkable to think that it's not like the first thing we say to anybody we meet <laughs> but it was just one of those, it was hey, just i tell so you my ghost real. story yeah Right. It's just so real, like your UFO story, that right. it's something that actually happened. So, yeah. you know? so, I mean, I think it's unhealthy to, like, make it, like, a lifestyle. Like, I mean, like George says, it's fun to, like, okay, this thing happened, or, like, you go try and photograph. But the people that turn this into their life's work to, like, try and find Bigfoot... Yeah. Are a little whacked. So, like I'm not sure it's the healthiest way to live your life. Like so, looking for these things. So you Alice, know? Like, Alice. I, by the way, I think you just have to have the experience and move right, on. Right. So Alice, I did. That's basically what I did. But Alice, by the first time I told Tom this story, the UFO story, he says, "Oh, mm-hmm. you're just the the one he would they would come visit." You're the ones. You're just the kind they come visit. Right? And I said, Thank you very much. And which to you is a compliment. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I took it that way. I was a little. I was a little taken aback by it, to be honest with you. But yeah, no, I've kind of just let it go. Huh. And I was like, I don't know what that was. That was pretty. I'd like to see it again. I'd like, you know, I and and of course when it's so quick, mm-hmm. it's like I didn't have time to take the camera phone out of my pocket. By the time I did, it was gone, and I have like a photo of the side of my car. And it's like, damn. So I know what time it was. Right. I have the photo with the time. And I went, right. so I did go do stuff like, I went to the, look up the uh, Worcester Airport, the nearest National Weather Service station. What was the wind aloft? It was a beautiful day. It was the end of July. It was like, it was July 30th or 31st. It was like on a Friday night. And it was just about six o'clock. And it was, a you know, just a nice light winds, hardly any clouds in the sky, few puffy clouds. And this thing is moving a lot faster than I thought the wind was. And I looked at the hmm. wind and it was actually... A crosswind to the direction this thing was going, and it was only about seven miles an hour, even aloft. So that was weird. So yeah. I don't know, George. I think I showed you last year. I think I showed you last year the the thing that, the, a few years ago we were having a party in our yard. There was something we thought it was a UFO. Yeah, I was. I was thinking that two and, two planes. And I got video. 
Right. And I've got video and a guy, yeah, and a guy, a, a photographer who shoots planes. Right. Yeah, he said, no, 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 that's just planes. That's just planes. It wasn't planes. We had people there. It was low and well, there's video. And it absolutely wasn't. But you know what's interesting? Like, there are personalities in this world. There are those who's like, those who are, are, are incredible because they're always seeing stuff. And then there are those Immediately who just love assume. to shut stuff down. You wonder if. Yeah. They, but there are those who love to shut, shut stuff down. No, no, planes. No, no, no. And you wonder if they're in on it or if it, or, <laughs> or they're just jerks. It's like, like, I don't go around a lot saying there are UFOs around or ghosts. I'm not, I'm a non believer. You know, so it should. Well, uh, I don't know what to you think. You just assume. Mostly Tom just assumes that a lot of things that other people take as fact are full of it and just total BS. Like, I mean, you should go to the Museum of Science with him sometime, George. It's a trip because he doesn't believe about two thirds of the exhibits in there. He thinks they're just not true. Like dinosaurs, fake how about, news. How about that like, electrical you cage? George, you, you how about that electrical think? cage? George, what? I mean, I mean, they can do anything with uh, you know electricity there. I think yeah. it can be manipulated. That's no problem. But the, do you think that that the the, the um, T Rex had small hands like that? That doesn't make it makes no sense. How would it eat at all? Unless they ate walnuts, which means yeah. that, no. Well, they're chickens, right? So maybe it had little wings or something. I don't know. They didn't. They didn't have. But to also, have, they, you know, I've been there. So I, used big, go, I used to go to the chew. museum. Of, I don't know. I love the museum. George, I used to go to that museum in the 70s. And yeah, in the 70s, the pterodactyl um, <laughs> was just skin. Now the pterodactyl is now furry. Right. So in other words, it's becoming the bird it always was. Oh, yeah, it would have I'm, to have I mean, feathers I mean, of some kind, right? So, well, you since know, when? Well, it didn't back in 1980. <laughs> no, they now they know. They know more. Well, you know, there's a there's a big move afoot oh, to, to clone <laughs> things. Jurassic Park may be real. They may actually do this. You know, just having the little uh, dusting stuff in a pit. You know, tells you now they know there's feathers. A little <laughs> DNA. What am I going to learn? What happens in twenty years, George? They have racing stripes in twenty years. <laughs> You're in on it with them because you want I this have, stuff to be true. That would be awesome. This is a, a, a geeky kind of thing. That it is those with the. Uh, uh, high intellects, but uh, who are who fawn over monoliths yeah. like this kind of thing. <laughs> no, I thought the monolith was really cool, but it's definitely. I, so, you know, okay. So, the monolith is art that made you feel good and made you think. So, it's actually a success. Whoever did that, it's a success. So, yeah, maybe they came and took it, but I think just some people, sh a lot of people apparently showed up. This guy, David Serber, he said, I was the first guy there, but then like 40 people showed up. And there were kids sitting on top of, mm. um, on top of their, um, uh, you know the monolith, and it was all good, good fun. Next time, Tom. Next time, we hop in the car and we take the kids down and get pictures of them. We're going with to the, the monolith. monolith before it goes. There could be they before could. it goes. Did you know, George, that our Vermont house is in the path of totality of the next solar eclipse? Yes, I'm, I'm psyched for this. Trips. I am psyched for this. I, I, can I, I come? So can excited. I come over? Can I come over to watch the? <laughs> yes, good. Okay. Invited. Good. We're in. You can go in with his dad, George. <laughs> That's good. No, I'm telling you, Tom. Well, you remember I did the live did those live hits back for Herald Radio from uh, the uh, uh, total eclipse in Nebraska in 20 was it 17 or 18 now it's been so long i've forgotten but that was awesome that was like i now all i want to do is go see total solar eclipses but i have no time it was really a mind alter i could Trump see why to your, your bs <laughs> about that by the way what that it wasn't total he's he stared right into it he time. did yeah 
Well, you know. Well, fine might be kind of a strong word for Trump. I think for a couple frankly. seconds you're probably okay, but uh, yeah. So, but uh, you know, you would have a hole in your. In your I, I tell you, I did, I did kind of burn a hole in the sensor of my camera doing that, taking photos of it. I, I noticed later they've sort of. It's like when you're when uh, you see, if you do occasionally look at the sun, right? You you have these round dots in your eyes for about a minute. If you just got a, a quick uh, mm-hmm. glance, yeah, my sensor kind of it faded away over time. It was okay, but I thought, crap, I ruined my camera. But it was really. I could see why people would get freaked out because it suddenly is dark. It's just like the lights go off, boom, but it's lo- it's glowing on the horizon and the wind starts huh. blowing and it's very eerie. And then you hear like animals wow. in the distance. I could see if you knew nothing, you didn't like know that was coming. Dogs howling and yeah, stuff. You'd just freak out. You'd go, what the heck was that? And then it's over and then it's like the lights come back on boom, and it's lit and it's and, you know, the sun is hmm. it would just freak you out. I got to imagine. But it, it's the coolest thing. It, it was the, it, I, I can't wait for the next one. Tom, you got to go to that. Dude, you got to go. Worst case is you just drink. It could, it could rain. The, the you know, um, path of totality, you. you mean? Yeah. You yeah, we're go. going to be in the path of totality. All right, if we can it make will it. happen in the path of totality? The Dorch just described it. You can go listen to the podcast on a replay if you yeah, need to Yeah, go listen to replay, right. So, so there's going to be, if, if, <laughs> if we can all live to 27, 2079, okay? So I'll be pretty old mm-hmm. and so will you. There's going to be a total eclipse mm-hmm. that goes mm-hmm. from like Pennsylvania across Manhattan, all of Connecticut, Ooh. all of, all of um, Massachusetts, right over us. And the totality is like nine minutes. And it's a huge wide wow. path. Man, I mean, they already know, right? Because they can do the celestial hmm. mechanics. So that's tw- so I want to mm-hmm. live to 2079. I want to sit on the front porch of the manse here and watch the total eclipse. I am ready. <laughs> Hmm. Well, you know what, George? Should we call I'm it? I choose to uh, pass away earlier. <laughs> hopefully, by the time that hopefully by the time the Vermont one rolls around, I'll be able to get on. Yeah, you'll, you'll, hopefully you'll be around for that. Path That's like totality. a couple of years. Path the totality is awesome. Yeah, it's so like uh, 2024, George. 25 or something. Path the totality. Path um, totality. So, um, George, you'll be happy to know uh, Alice is well. At, at, Alice, you need to find. Do you have a sister that's available who's exactly like you? I don't know George's romantic situation. Uh, now, right now, anymore, right now, that last hey, Alice, uh, thing seems to be over. So yeah, I'm available. Okay, George is available. That's good to know. <laughs> George, uh, Alice watches the Twilight Zone marathon on New Year's Eve. Oh, nice! Like all like three. Yeah, I watched the three, I watched the Three Stooges marathon on New Year's Eve. When okay. we first when we first started dating, Tom was like, "So what should we do for New Year's?" And I was like, "Well, I can't really leave because the Twilight Zone marathon's on. You know, can't miss that." And of course, so. in those days, Tom would say, "I'll do anything she says." Right? So I'll just watch that. Those are really well written and really cool half hour anthology. They, are, they they are, but you know what? But the thing about the Twilight Zone is. There's so much, they're so unlike anything out else at the time. You know, there's there's something so antiseptic about 50s and 60s TV. Yes. And that comes on, and it's a, it's a modern day mind bleep. It really yes. is. Right. So it, it feels, it, it feels like it's a stark thing to watch, and it feels so, God, I want to use the word queer in the way, you know what I mean. What yeah. it used to mean. Right. It's so curious. The sound stages. Eerie. And the set. Eerie, yes. Like, I think about the one with the um, Sherman's Last Stand mm-hmm. with the Indians. And it's so, it's it's obviously, Custer. like, it's obvious. Custer, sorry. It's obviously, like, the back lot of a Universal Studios, like, crappy movie parking lot or something. And 
but it, it's, it just feels so, it's so odd. It's so, you're right, it is yeah. eerie. It's a cookbook. It's more like a play almost. Like they don't tend to, there are some it's exceptions obviously, but they don't <laughs> tend to have like a ton of, they don't tend to go a lot of places in the episode. Each episode tends to be set in like kind of a limited physical space and like the characters yeah, come they have in no and out. Money. Like it's, it's more to me like, it's more to me like a play than it is like a yes. real TV show, TV show. You know, it's, it, they're so, they are dramatic in that way, in the sense of like being like a drama production, you know, where the characters come in and out and you build to a climax. They're very like structured stories and I, I don't know. I just think they're brilliant. I love seeing all the old actors on them. I love Shatner in it. Like I love. I don't know. It's <laughs> funny that they pick, Shatner was. They pick Shatner. <laughs> Shatner was. Need he was awful in that actually. Shatner. <laughs> that was peak Shatner. He was fantastic. I love him. He was awesome and awful at the same time. Well, <laughs> well, right, because he's such an over actor, and yeah. you know, and he—that's he, his thing, being over the top. But that role did call for somebody to be over the top. But he certainly took the seriousness out of it. Oh, love him. Yeah, he was no. He's, he's great. I mean, he's still he's still relevant, and he's ninety years old. Gonna be ninety one. Yeah, he's fighting on Twitter with people. Yeah, he is. George, that he went back and forth with me on Twitter. Did he really? Did you Shatner? fight with him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, no, we had a conversation. Oh, nice. He wanted to know if I knew somebody and like name whatever. And so I said, yeah. And he was asking me about, about him. And I didn't know the guy, but I was just saying. <laughs> you I'm blue check mark people here. at your little private club there, right? So. <laughs> Maybe that's what that is. Maybe that's what it is. I wonder if there's. But other- then do you remember what you told him at the end of the conversation? No. no. Um, he like got annoyed with you or something. And you said, we're both shats that used to mean something. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't respond? I don't think he, I think he was horrified. But. <laughs> He reported me to Jack Dorsey. Probably called him. He did, yeah. Probably Remove this number. man's blue check mark. Get this guy out of here. Well, George, it's been nice. It has nice been getting back to you. And Let's getting do back this with more you. than once a quarter. Way okay? too long. Let's do this. Yes, once this is a like the crossovers, like when Simon and Simon had yeah. Magnum PI on. Right. Except I'm on both shows, you know. Yeah. So, but it's been fun cross pollinating right. the cross pollinating uh, reach of the point of things with the Burn Barrel Podcast. Awesome. So that is our friend George Capable. Follow George on Twitter. A couple things we want to get to quickly before we move on. Uh, Anthony Fauci has spoken this weekend, and shock of all shocks, a new revelation. And, and Dr. Fauci, New York City public schools shut down again earlier this month. I know your default position is that you'd like to see the schools open, but how do you make that happen, and how would you advise the incoming Biden administration on getting a sort of unified yeah. response? Well, you know, Martha, that's a good question. We get asked it all the time. You know, we say it not being facetiously as a soundbite or anything, but, you know, close the bars and keep the schools open is what we really say. Obviously, you don't have one size fits all. But as I said in the past and as you accurately quoted me, the default position should be to try as best as possible within reason to keep the children in school or to get them back to school. The best way to ensure the safety of the children in school is to get the community level of spread low. So if you mitigate the things that you know are causing spread. I'm so, so sick of this. I'm so sick of this, the community spread. Mitigate the things that are causing the spread. I ain't buying it. I'm not buying that the spread is simply just caused by us breaking the rules. I'm not buying it. 
I believe the spread is caused by a freaking pandemic that health experts openly admit they don't know much about. They're learning on the job. Right. And, I mean, out of the few things we know, for example, we know that school doesn't cause spread. Because we can see it. We've seen these countries go back to school. France doesn't even require masks in school. And, you know, there's... There's no increased spread from that. There's no association. The cases among students, they're picking up at home. They're not getting it from other students at the school. The teachers aren't getting it from the kids at school. They're getting it when they go out to a restaurant after school. You know, it's the whole thing is ludicrous. All the teachers are going to the grocery store. They can go into school and teach kids where they're seeing far, far fewer adults in a far less risky situation. I, I just... But you know what pisses me off, too? What? Is it Fauci now, his tone with this stuff. I don't like him. Ever since he lied, I I will never, never About the mask? Yep. Is it his tone now, saying, now we're trying to implore. You know, we're really trying to say there's a problem here. You know why? Because they're getting data showing that kids are being harmed and harming themselves Mm-hmm. Possibly dying. I yeah. assume they are dying. They're getting and knowledge so they're in, that. So doubt- now he's acting like, oh, by the way, we have a new problem. Well, f- screw you, Fauci. We've been saying this for months and months and months and months. In a very, very profound way, in a robust way. If you bring that down, you will then indirectly and ultimately protect the children in the school because the community level is determined how things go across the board. So my feeling would be the same thing. If you look at the data, the spread among children and from children is not really very big at all, not huh. like one would have suspected. So let's try to get the kids back, but let's try to mitigate the things that maintain and, and just push the kind of community spread that we're trying to avoid. And those are the things that you know well. The bars, the, the restaurants where you have capacity seating indoors without masks. Those are the things that drive the community spread, not the schools. God, what a jerk. What a jerk. Well, right. I mean. The bars and the restaurants, the things that have no recourse really against our power right now. <laughs> we're not going to say the, 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 um, the drugstores, CVS and Walgreens and Walmart and Home Depot and Lowe's and those other things. No, 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 no. Those, we're not going to say those things. But it really, if the spread is happening there, too, mm-hmm. you'd say it if you're the health person, right. unless you're simply trying to manipulate people, well, which right. is what so he's it, doing. So it goes back to the thing about the protest, right? Like, the disease doesn't care whether you're doing something that's considered an essential service or not, right? If there's spread in indoor spaces, there's spread inside a grocery store just as much as there is inside a restaurant. I mean, I know people take their masks off to eat, but have you seen how people wear masks in grocery stores? Not all of them have the mask over their nose. They're not. not they're not all... N95 masks. A lot of them have the valve, which means that protects nobody except the person wearing it. Looks cool, though. Yeah. So, but the point is that, you know, a virus doesn't care whether it's in a grocery store or a bar. The only difference is people's moral feeling about the place you're in, whether you really have to be there or not, right? You know, you don't really have to be at the bar, but you do really have to be at the grocery store. You know, if it was really that bad, you'd just shut down everything and send everybody food, Right. Like if you if if the spread indoors right. was that terrible, then you wouldn't let people to go to grocery stores either, and you'd give them food. But but the so it's just a question of the level of necessity that other people perceive right. these activities to have. The problem is we as a society have apparently decided that school is just not essential for kids, which is fascinating, fascinating mm-hmm. given the size of my property tax bill that I get in the mail. 
four times a year. I it's because it seems like when it comes to sending the bill to taxpayers, school is considered pretty darn essential. So I don't know what happened during the pandemic that school was the first thing to go and it's the last thing to come back. I don't get it. I don't get it. You have kids. You have school districts in Texas reporting 70% increase in students failing classes. 70% increase. You have, I mean, I have a teacher friend who works in, um, in Everett and she said out of her class, which I think is fifth grade, she had three students who handed in enough work in the spring that she would have really like passed them in a normal year, but she had to pass everybody this year. You are destroying kids' lives. I mean, not not my kids because I took them right out of those schools because I don't want to deal with yes. this stupidity. I just I'm not <laughs> going to put up with it. And and every parent that can do that has put their kids in parochial schools, which by the way are open. Put their kids in other private schools, which by the way are open. Yeah, in Massachusetts, Done. almost forty thousand kids have gone off the rolls of public schools. It's out. Outrageous. Mm-hmm. It's so insane. And they're going to come back to the taxpayers and ask for more money because the state funding formula is going to reimburse schools less next year because of the lower enrollments this year. Unless, I mean, I really think the legislature is going to have to do something to, to mitigate that. President Biden will handle it, Alice. He will be cutting a check but for I- us. He'll be cutting a check for us. By the way, Biden has been out and about. Rock and I think it's a right <laughs> for people that have bad and kept care. Mostly, it's, of course, this was a, a solemn family, a long weekend of sorts, so he was at church. And if we do, and I'm sure we can, we can proclaim the palmist with the palmist who wrote these following words. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Problem with that, else? <sighs> I'm not going to, I, I don't feel good making fun of a stutter. <laughs> <laughs> As, um, I, what, what I'm told that is, um, but... Um, Psalmist, he meant psalm. Psalmist, the psalmist. Right. There's a P in there, by the way. There is a P. (laughs) It's from the Greek. Mm. It's from the Greek. Yes. Uh, Anyway, um, yeah, it's Biden's problem now. And I don't know how now after they've scared people like this, they're going to be able to get the schools reopened. Because we've all been told that if we open the schools, teachers will die. Kids will die. We're risking our students' lives. You know, um, I saw I saw something from one parent who was complaining in a Facebook group or wherever about um, Baker recently said that the schools, the priority should be in-person learning for the schools. Because I assume they're seeing the numbers coming out of these schools where kids are not being educated at all. Well, and, yeah, in between that and the and healthcare numbers, obviously. And they're getting panicked. Mm-hmm. And um, the it, this parent was saying, like, I don't understand what to tell my kid. Why is the governor saying it's safe to go back to school? I've been telling my kid for months and months and months that it's not safe, that there's a dangerous virus, that the reason we're all doing this is that this is terribly dangerous and we have to not be in school to protect people. And... Like, so what? Is that just not true? And like, yeah, it turns out it isn't true that we've had the data for a while that kids do not spread this virus and that we've just been cowed by teachers unions to the extent that we've taken something totally unrelated to the spread of the pandemic and just shut it down until further notice. You know, like yeah. school's just done until we until the teachers unions decide that they right. feel comfortable going back. It, like, is, it's it certainly has over. come to a head because... Blue state governors now, for the most part, have come around and are saying, hey, man, I mean, get Fauci's saying it. Well, and so is Biden, as a matter of fact. Everybody's saying, come saying on it. there. We've got to do it. The There's part of that, is, part of, that of course, says, is cuteness, of course, now because there's not a Donald Trump well, around. Right. 
so we don't have to be performative in the pain that's being caused. But uh, but you're right. No, it's widespread. Right. I mean, it, and it was. I mean, even when it was Trump, there were a lot of people who are saying like, oh, Trump wants kids to die. That's why he's saying the school should be out. There were crazy people saying that who have now changed our minds inexplicably. But for the most part, like, I think there were people. Charlie Baker was saying when Trump was still president that the schools should be open. A lot of public health people were saying this when Trump was still president, the honest ones, you know, because it was true, because we had the data to show. It wasn't just that we didn't know if schools spread it or not. We had data to show that schools, kids in school don't spread it, particularly elementary school students who are the ones most harmed by this remote learning experiment. And I, I don't know, it's just unconscionable. And I personally think it's going to end up breaking the public school systems because there's not going to be, there are still going to be people dying of this next year when yeah. it's time for well, school it, to reopen. I don't people dying from something else too. Well, right. But I, I mean, this is fundamentally for students, for kids, school age kids, this is less dangerous than the flu that we get every year for other right. people. It's not, that is true, mm-hmm. but for, for school-age kids, this is less dangerous than the flu. And we all sent our kids to school every year without masks on. I mean, I still taught my kids to wash their <laughs> oh, hands. Hey, you know what we should do? I was going to play Nicole Hannah-Jones, but I don't want to piss people I, off. But go ahead. Uh, so I want to finish one more thing about um, schools. And I want to know how you feel about this because I have, I have very mixed feelings. But So uh, have you seen what New York is doing in order to reopen their schools now? No. It's a mandatory random testing program. So in order, they're reopening the schools, but in order to send your kid back, you have to sign a form that gives the school permission to randomly test them for COVID whenever they feel like it. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, on the one hand, I'm glad they're reopening the schools, but like, would you ever agree to that? I mean, just on principle, I don't think I would agree to that. Would you? No. I mean, no way. Like, I don't let you randomly test my kid for STDs either. I don't let you test my kid for stuff. I'll take my kid to the doctor and test them for something if I want to. But our school district is piloting a testing program as well here in Pentucket. By the way, every other third uh, Thursday, we're going to jam a swab down your kid's (laughs) nose. By the way, we don't know why, because we have to do it so that the teachers... Uh, along those lines, the, too good, by the way, the Lowell Sun is where I work, uh, and uh, one of the headlines we have for two days ago is Littleton schools requiring families to swear they're following the state's coronavirus <laughs> guidelines. Littleton schools, you have to fill out this thing saying, you attest, you swear that <coughs> that nobody was close during Thanksgiving and that nobody, that everybody followed the rules and right. wore a mask and all that stuff. So there you go. Between- so we had... We had uh, several close relatives over here for Thanksgiving. We were you may up have to, seen. We were up to nine. Yes, you can check them out in our last video. Some of mm-hmm. our relatives that were here. We were our up dating to, service is open, by the way. We you were can... up to nine people in the house. Don't say that. It sounds so human trafficking. I don't yeah, know. I know. It's not good. Um, I, I don't. Not good. Um, <laughs> but you can hear from some millennial women about dating service about is not an escort service, life. Alice. I I don't know. Maybe we're I don't vetting like potential suitors. Okay. Well. For Okay. Very successful young women. They are very successful. Okay. They're both very successful. For a minor fee. And, that, and that's where okay. it gets gray area. Well, you, you know what? You can filter it through me. I'll be the judge if they deserve to call my sister. So uh, the, the dating service. I'm already giving out her. I'm doxing <laughs> okay, her to well, people. Okay. You can, Go ahead, You Austin. can filter it through me. Anyway. Um, so we had we were up to nine people. So we could have had one more. And I wanted to invite my brother also, who goes to BU. Mm-hmm. But... He's not allowed to leave for Thanksgiving. Hmm. He can get 
an academic probation, like gets in trouble at school and suspended or what I don't know what colleges Have do. You've been traveling, young man. Yeah, no. So you can you can go home for Thanksgiving, but you can't come back. If you go home for Thanksgiving and you go back, you get on academic probation. <sighs> so he wouldn't come. So he was alone on Thanksgiving. Can you imagine? How great. God, we How suck. vicious are they? Uh, Alice, do we have any electronic mailings or notes that we should read before we bid adieu to the uh, folks until Monday? Let me see or, what we have here. That's crazy on YouTube. Listening to the the like I said, the, the your your blues backing track. If you're mm-hmm. a Beatles fan, White Album fan, you know what that is. Yes, I'm lonely. The backing track is just a bass and some drums. It's freaking awesome. But God, I gotta gotta detach myself from this. Um. Okay. So. Um, so do you remember Ryan from Plasto? Yes. So, um, he weighed in. We mentioned him during our episode that was about Gen X and he wrote to us about it. Um, he said, Tom and Alice episode released last night was great. I'm pretty much smack dab in between both of you for age. I was a huge fan of chips and the A team. Of course. But I also enjoyed the Backstreet Boys. No. The best or even new kids on the block. No. The Wonder Years and Family Matters were the go-tos on TV. Also, my Fine. Friday nights Does were... Family Matters with the Urkel? I don't know. But you, the Wonder Years, obviously. Yeah. Uh, also, my Friday nights were booked by TGIF. I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is? It, I mean, is that an MTV thing, maybe? I don't think so. I don't know. TGIF. Anyway, we'll look it up. We'll look it up. And you could, Someone else can write to us. Ryan, you can write to us again and tell us what it is. Uh, I will also always remember Stuck in the Middle with You from Reservoir Dogs or Shout from Ferris Bueller's Day Off or Twist okay. and Shout from Ferris Bueller's Day Okay, Off. okay. A couple of problems. A okay. couple of problems. Okay. Ryan, I love you. But I have, a, I have an issue. Okay. With Stuck in the Middle with You being something that people remember from Reservoir Dogs. Why? The the song is from the 70s or 60s. It's a Steeler's Wheel song. And I, I kind of think that you should have known the song before Reservoir Dogs. I certainly think... He's Twisted in his Sh- 30s, though. I understand. I wasn't alive <laughs> in the 60s either, Alice, but I know some of this stuff. And Twist and Shout, although that was very iconic. Both scenes were very iconic. I agree. I understand. I just get a little nervous when people learn stuff only from movies and... And Twist and Shout, yes, that was a huge, incredible scene. And that movie was freaking brilliant. Twi- uh, Ferris Bueller should have won uh, every Oscar. Every Oscar. Um, and that was just brilliant. That was just yeah. brilliant. But um, I get worried when people learn songs from movies. And they're like, oh, yeah, no, I know that song. Well, my daughter, my kids are the same. Now, they know like all songs from when I was a kid. Like, don't you forget about me. They know from like from the non-gendered zombie shows that they watch because they sing and dance to that song that's a song from that no that's not a song from that that's not that's a song from simple minds maybe the breakfast club maybe that's allowed but uh these are the things that uh old people like me do daughter around (laughs) yell at people for only knowing things from movies um so then ryan tells me it is not a big deal that alice did not recognize any of the clips her priorities were in order back then thank you ryan and the a-team wasn't one of them I love it when a plan comes together. Keep up the great work. Great George Papard, Alice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. She said. Emily wrote to us. 
Emily says, hi, Tom and Alice. I just wanted to tell you guys how much I love the Burn Barrel podcast. That's nice. I love the name, Emily, too. Do you, I Alice? Discovered, I do. It's a great name. Yeah. It, I, it's, it's full of torque. Emily. It's, it's, it's the way it's uh, constructed. Makes it e- easy to say with force. Emily, mm-hmm. Emily, Emily. We had a nice Emily when I grew up uh, in Winchester. Alice. Okay. Remember the Beatle magic, all that stuff? Um, well, Emily says she discovered Tom by listening to Jerry's podcast, which I originally listened to because I am a Turtle Boy fan. Oh, nice. I am a college student, so every day I am stuck listening to crazy Emily, liberals. we need to hear, we need to talk to to more college students, young. Mm-hmm. Where do you go? Where does she go? Does she tell us? Uh, no, she doesn't tell us. I'd love listening, to hear what you're up to, Emily. Listening to your podcast makes me feel sane. It makes me laugh out loud. You guys are awesome. Yes. Uh, and were you allowed to go home for Thanksgiving, Emily, or did your yeah, school no keep you in lockdown in the dorm? No kidding. Oh. I'm I'm happy. I figure that, uh, that, that, that a lot of people who love the Turtle Boy... Um, Stuff would think we're anodyne, you know. That he's he's cutting edge stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's certainly we're yeah. lame compared to Turtle Boy. Yeah, yeah. He's down there. I mean, he's doing some the okay. work he's doing. Um, John wants to know, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, it, what your take on Arlo Guthrie's Alice's restaurant is. So I, this is my take on it. My take is it was a really. I used to hear it as a kid because we would go and have Thanksgiving with some really witch, rich, witch, <laughs> actually, with some very <laughs> wealthy, waspy people in a huge house that smelled like pine. It was they had they had very nice things, and uh, so we would have, and so they would always play it, and it was a very boomer thing to sit around, play Trivial Pursuit, and then put on Alice's Restaurant, get drunk on a red wine. We were just kids, so you know, but um. But so I have a bad taste in my mouth because of that, um, because the boomers nostalgia. As I'm coming off of a full show <laughs> of Tom's Tom self-indulgent nostalgia. TV watching in the '80s to try to reach out and embrace my fellow uh, Gen Xers, but the the self-indulgence of the boomers the thing kind of soured me on it. But I think it's cool and it's a funny song. Do you know what else? I mean, I've heard it. I it's cool. It's just like a storytelling by Arlo Guthrie. Mm-hmm. Who I believe also wrote uh, "Good Morning America, How Are You? Don't You Know Me? I'm Your Native Son." Spirit of New Orleans, which we talked I about. I do today. love that song. Yes, I think that's his too. Okay. By the way, which is brilliant because that's a brilliant song. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I'm. It's complicated, is what I'm saying. Essentially, it, we uh, too many times I sat in too many times at that huge, huge cavernous dining hall, which looked like. Uh, Hogwarts, essentially. <laughs> um, and yeah, when you're from the wrong side of the tracks over on the Woburn side of Winchester. That's right. That's what it was. We were. We were, we were so what was this in the Some flats? of the sons. No, this was not in Winchester. This is not in Winchester. These were, these were just uh, business associates of my, of my dad's who was essentially a lobbyist, essentially. Mm-hmm. Not a lobbyist like a K Street in a, in a nice car lobbyist. No, 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 no. This was a small business advocate. Um, but no, no, they had, they used to have long conversations about like meringue. Oh. Yeah. And how to make it and the derivation. <laughs> I like making meringue. Oh, I know. You fit right <laughs> in there. You go, I can see if they're there. They're there for you. So. <sighs> Um, and then finally, um, Tara wrote to us. Remember Tara? You weren't sure if she was Tara Yeah, Tara or Tara. Or Tara yeah. So she said it's pronounced like Ara and Tiara. Oh. And she wanted to, she wrote because she wanted to comment on your joke about hail and hail and rain. Yes. And she says, I totally got your joke, and I Thank feel you. like it should have gotten a little more comedic recognition. Thank you, Tara. 
Thank you. At least you're a woman who appreciates my humor, unlike some people. Thank you very much. Thank you. That feels good to be validated by that. I know. Something that you clearly missed, Alice. I heard the joke, honey. It was, do you get it? I get it. Should have been called Rain because he spit. I get it. Mm -hmm. Hail. You know, maybe I'll get that cut of me saying that for the next show for tomorrow. Okay. Well, is that it? Do we clear it up for today and say hello and uh, in... Meet back here tomorrow. You know, you, I, you know what I need you to do, else. <laughs> Start saying same bat time. Do you know what that means? Same bat time. Same like, bat place. Like we're at, we, we're batting at the same time. No, no, forget bat, it. Same bat time. What does it mean? <laughs> it's a Batman reference from the oh. original Batman. Oh. Doesn't matter. It's doesn't matter. This is. <laughs> I'm not bringing my best today. I'm sorry, but I'll be better tomorrow, everybody else. Tell the um, people what you are. So you can find us on Twitter at Burn Barrel Pod, Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast, on Parlor Burn Barrel Podcast. You can uh, shoot us an email, Burn Barrel Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube, Tom Shaddock's Burn Barrel on YouTube, where you can subscribe, like videos, watch us do this, and uh, check out that there. And uh, anywhere else that we are, I can't even remember. And if we do, and I'm sure we can, we can proclaim the promised with the palmist who wrote these following words. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.